you say Nico is selfish? Mm, not to his face. Coming up, a movie about step-sibling love. Mark, what are we watching this week? Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspect. Three lifelong friends who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm your huckleberry. Sometimes serious. I'm gonna make them an awfully game with you. Definitely interesting insight into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's looking at you, kid. Hey, boys. We're going back to 1995, and we're watching Clueless. 95. 95, and for those of you that don't remember, Clueless is a coming-of-age teen comedy film written and directed by Amy Heckerling. It's starring Alicia Silverstone, Stacey Dash, Brittany Murphy, and Paul Rudd. It's loosely based on Jane Austen's 1815 novel, Emma, with a modern-day setting of Beverly Hills. Share Holy crap, I had no idea it was based off Emma. That's hilarious. Oh ah, we're in our intro. Hold your horses here, people. Share a high school student in Beverly Hills must survive the ups and downs of adolescent life. Her external demeanor at first seems superficial, but rather it hides her wit, charm, and intelligence, which help her to deal with relationships, friends, family, school, and the all-important teenage social life. Gentlemen, good to be back. And uh, sorry, I dropped a bomb on you in the mid-intro. Yeah, how did I miss that? That's my whole thing is don't miss anything, right? Things you missed. (laughs) That is your category. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So, Nick, you know how in the 90s, like, all these movies were based on, like, Shakespeare and classic literature? Right, 10 Things I Hate About You, She's All That, yeah. Dangerous Liaisons, Cruel Intentions, all. This is the movie that, like, started that. Because of the success of Clueless, it started the whole, like, classic Uh, literature trend in movies. That is good shit. We're off to a hot start here. Yeah, I, I actually loosely knew that, but I didn't know it was all tied to this. So, welcome. Damn. Jane Austen's Emma. Very simple. Amy Heckerling. She was uh, Paramount asked her to write a movie about a teenage uh, teenage teenagers, and she instantly thought of this book because she read it as a kid. Well, and they when wanted she was a teenager. They wanted her to write it about the cool kids because they said every time somebody brings us a script, uh, 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 and every time somebody has a script about teenagers in Hollywood, it's always about the nerds. And they're like, we want you to make one about the cool kids. And she said, I'm only going to do it if I can make fun of them at the same time. And that's a lot of how this this movie works on a lot of levels, but like it works so well as a satire. Yeah, it's a great satire piece, obviously, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Moment in time, Nico. I definitely saw it in the theater. I wanted to use my moment in time, though, to talk about the preview that I saw for it, because I'll, I remember seeing the trailer for this in the first time. I think I was, I remember the theater I was at too, but I remember the joke of balls flying at your face and there goes your social, social life, cracking the entire theater up during the trailer. And the feeling that this is going to be special and this is going to be cool. Before it even, I mean, that's, that's real hype. And that's my one memory of it, more so than actually seeing it, was how well that joke played on, on the show. And we, we were in middle school when this came out. So we, so this was probably extra cool to us, being a high school movie. 
I, 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 I was drawn to this movie as well. I don't remember when I saw it. I just know that it's always been a part of my movie vernacular, so to speak. And I've seen it countless times, and it's held up under every time. But it really held up under the the microscope this week when watching it with the analytical eye that we now do with these movies. So, but what about you, Jeff? Uh, yeah. So I saw this movie on rental, on video rental, on the summer of '96, I believe. Um, I I don't remember the exact time period, but just whenever it came out. So that summer. My local video store that I could ride my being talking we're in middle school, right? Uh, I I my, my parents had just started uh, maybe the year before letting me ride my bike um, about twenty five minutes to the closest, the closest uh, like grocery store. store. What a memory like, that strip, is! Yeah, strip mall area, and like, that's a big deal to be able to go yourself. You can go to the store. You can. Yep. And my favorite video store was there. It was like personal owned. It wasn't a blockbuster yet. It was like one of the last holdouts. And one of the super duper video. One of the things they did to compete with Blockbuster is they they did this twenty dollars a month um, unlimited rental deal. You just you basically probably a precursor to Netflix where you where, and they hadn't had anything like that before. So you could rent a movie and then you could get another one as soon as you took it back. So literally didn't have a job or anything that summer, and I literally probably spent most of the summer watching a movie. And then riding one back to the video store. Made good friends with the people at the video store. They'd make like recommendations to me and stuff. They like I was like a regular. I think I literally saw everything in new releases that summer. Here's my follow up to that story. Were you doing multiple trips in one day? <laughs> I, I I done it. I did it a couple times. Yeah. I feel like days. you were for sure. I feel like, like you I, were. This is this is kind of when I was discovering how much I loved movies. Yeah. Because I hadn't before that. I had to like beg my parents to take me to the video store. Yeah. And for them. T- Twenty dollars a month to keep me occupied, to keep your teenager <laughs> teenager occupied is like a yeah. deal. Like <laughs> what? What freedom for a young teenager or two as well? Your parents right. found Going an iPad the for the, you yeah. before there were iPads. I got to pick out the movie myself, and you know, at that point, they were over the whole "you can't see R-rated stuff" or whatever. That's such know. a good. That's such a good point, Mark. Like instead of iPads babysitting kids, the, back then the twenty dollars unlimited movie membership babysat kids. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I joke about it with Jeff just last week that kids nowadays they don't they're never going to experience renting a movie and watching that same movie three times in a weekend because they rented it. <laughs> we also fell in love with her in the Aerosmith music videos back when there were yeah. music videos. Got, I've got a that's great where we all met her. While we're there, like... I've actually got a great trivia on that. So, Amy Heckerling, um, where they were there was a big search for Cher or whatever, and her casting director kept recommending to her the girl from the movie The Crush, saying she thinks she's perfect. And Amy argued back and said, no, she said, okay, but what I, I really want the girl from the Aerosmith video. Mm-hmm. And eventually they realized they were both talking about the same person. All right, bringing us, bringing us back, uh, focusing us a little bit. <laughs> what worked for you, Nico? <laughs> I think... Shares good nature, and that. So if I can explain it like this, you've got a really good-hearted character here who's just terribly misguided because of her privilege. And yeah, it was white privilege at its finest, but with the most kind-hearted person ever. It's a, it's great. It, it's amazing. It's perfect. Well, that's why that's why the movie works. Uh, one of the things I had written down that what works is the title. This is one of the best titled movies ever. The title literally perfectly describes Share. She's not a mean girl. She's not a like a bitch. She's not a bad person. 
Uh, she's actually super nice. She's just completely and utterly clueless. Yeah, we can totally forgive her white privilege to some degree because of how naive she is. Right, and she's she's the perfect protagonist. She really but is. she she learns lessons all throughout the film, and she grows sure. as a character within her white privilege. It, 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 she has a great arc. I so mean, she literally she, takes care of her dad. She like runs the house for him. She, she. Uh, well, Lucy helps too. She kind Lucy, Lucy does help. Lucy Poor does Lucy help. from El Salvador. <laughs> Poor Lucy. Well, and she also has a tendency. She does help all her friends, but she also has a tendency to see her friends as projects. But but no no no. But I don't, I don't got a problem with that. She she actually so, puts everybody else first, kind of. She does. I agree. I agree. She's yeah. actually quite a lovely person. Yeah, Mark's right about the art. Good, good catch. Speaking of, she wears over 62 outfits in this 100-minute movie. Uh, for those that wanted a wanted a cow. No, cow. it's it's good. I think what else the works costume. Here? So the costume, Jen Chaney, uh, when she was celebrating the 20th anniversary of this film, many people thought the costuming budget must have been high for this, but it was on it was quite modest for a blockbuster film. Costume designer Mona May wanted the girls to look like mall rats, not models. So her 63 outfit changes only cost 200000 The biggest costume expense was the plaid uh, outfit in the beginning. But what's interesting about this whole thing is Alicia Silverstone got to keep all of the outfits. But what did she do with them? She gave them all to charity, which was pretty Aww. cool. So, which was very share-like of yeah. Alicia Silverstone. That's so. a way good... That's a way good way to put it. Since um, you brought in the 63 outfits or whatever that number was, I was like, oh, let me get my costume note here. I whatever. What, uh, what worked for you, Mark? Well, I, I, hold on. I think it's perfectly casted. I don't think this movie works with anybody else but Alicia Silverstone. She was a born star, and I think we don't, I, we don't need to debate that. I mean, the fact that she was in one music video and all of Hollywood wanted her was pretty evident. But everybody was great. Even Murray was great casted. Even her dad, even Paul Rudd. This is was this Paul Rudd's first movie? I, it's one of, if not. He played his role perfectly, but Alicia Silverstone is a star. We'll get into that more later. But I, I mean, even I was stalking her Instagram today, and I I felt these enamored teenage feelings coming back all over again. I mean, she's still a star to me. You know, twenty six years later, I think that's special. Yeah. yeah. Remember, I was sending you guys Murphy, links. Murphy. Like this is. Uh-huh. I think this is yeah. Murphy's first movie. Yeah, it definitely is. So I've got, in my notes, I'm right there with you, Cher, Alicia Silverstone, she was iconic in this. Her dad, Hank Azaria, he's absolutely pitch perfect in his role. Paul Rudd on top of his game, not to mention he never ages. He's looked the same for about 30 years now. Uh, Everything about the high school stuff worked really well for me. Whether it's like the best friends element between Dion and Cher or the relationship, relationship stuff between our eventual three couples, it all pretty much worked well for me. And in hindsight, it's probably one of the best and accurate teen comedies that I can think of. So, uh, but uh, that was what worked for me. It, well, in the soundtrack, obviously. But what about you, Jeff? I wrote down the dialogue, the soundtrack, the writing, the runtime, and everything, w- and everything <laughs> with the dad. The runtime. Uh, this has got to be a top five, if not top two, teenage movie dad. Favorite scene, Mark. Uh, Nico kind of made mention of it earlier, but I love that tennis scene during PE class. I, it's it's just awesome. I have a note here with one of Cher's quotes where she just says to the PE teacher, 
I would just like to say that physical education in this school is a disgrace. I mean, standing in line for 40 minutes is hardly aerobically effective. I doubt I've worked off the calories in a stick of carefree gum. And then we get Amber following it up, you know, her tennis coach, balls flying at her face that you mentioned earlier. There's just so many elements coming together. And then we get Ty showing up. There's a new student, Ty, and they're like, oh, look, we have a project now. So there's just so many elements to that scene. I, I can't help but to a simple high school gym scene, right? Yeah, I can't help but feel it's a really great, memorable scene for me. So uh, I'm gonna just I'll let you jump in, Jeff. I have a couple others, but I don't want to steal the show. So go ahead, Jeff. Uh, my favorite. I mean, it it was really hard to pick one. This movie just flows so well. Uh, I put the opening scene. I fucking love Cher's speech about the Haitians or the as she calls them, Hashins. <laughs> Which was, that was unintentional. That was not in the script either. No, no. And she, she mispronounced it. Uh, but what, like, what's so great about that speech is it act, is as silly and self-absorbed or whatever that it is. If you like look at it, it actually works as a metaphor for a real political message. Almost and, all of her speeches do. And how about the exactly. new, How about done, the violence in the news one? That was that, great. And that's, that's, this movie, that's why the writing in this film is so damn good. Because it works on so many levels. On one level, it's like, what the hell is she talking about? But the other, it's like, actually, that's a great point. It does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty with all of the immigration <laughs> stuff that we like deal with in this country. So, but just even those lines, the stoner, when he gets... Uh, the stoner when he when Travis wins the Tardy Award and he gives his Oscar his Tardy Oscar speech and even that even that speech works as you know yeah, as it, a all, it does Mark, I agree no not, it does not, not no being Tardy all the time cannot the blame cannot go to one single person yeah the writing's really good you're right I mean the dialogue is great so through, damn good. throughout throughout so I mean I have my... I I just I I also put in my notes here just any scene between Cher and her dad and oh my god. I yes. mean, they're all great, but and I just don't. I it's almost it was hard to pick one. I like he's a, he, that's why I had a hard time. He's like one of those characters where the meaner you get, this is the sweeter you want to be to him just to calm him down. And she definitely plays that perfectly. And that the, the scene where he kicks uh, Brittany Murphy out of his chair without even meaning her, get out of my chair. It's the the look on Cher's face. See, that's why I'm so glad you mentioned that because I have in my standouts. I didn't even think of that one. That one's great. My standouts. I love the one where. He tells her to change out of the white dress. And her solution is she just puts like the see-through like little satin thing on over. What's that? A dress. Says who? Calvin Klein. It looks like underwear. Go upstairs and put something over it. Over it. And what about when Josh tells him that he wants to go into environmental law and he's like, why? You want a miserable existence where you always feel where you always feel like you're losing? <laughs> it's, or, it's pretty good or like but but he's just like Cher as big a like dick or whatever he can be he's all heart like in the very beginning when he's like you div- why is Josh coming over you're not married to her anymore and he's like you divorce people you don't divorce kids like it just, it just, he's top, got a like little said, twinkle to him huh? he, yeah. uh, oh. honey I couldn't be happier than if they were based on it's real grades real grades themselves <laughs> Nico, what is your favorite scene? I think you actually may have convinced me that the tennis scene is the best scene in this movie. It is? It is. But I, did, I didn't have that in my 
thought process coming into it, but you, you made me a believer because you're right. Everything you said is right. But for my second favorite scene, I like the Christian bit. I mean, this kid, uh, you think you know this, uh, every, every scene with Christian, but okay. I love the parties they go to with him and how his overall style just wins me over. And like when he comes into the house for the date, that's probably the peak of Christian. But you think you know where this movie's going, and it's going in a direction, and they just throw in Christian, right? And he's got nothing to do with the plot, but it's just such a fun ride to get on. I love all the foreshadow the foreshadowing bits with Christian being gay. Oh, and, for sure, Spartacus, and with and with Elton <laughs> being in love with Cher, because Cher is completely oblivious to it, and we just see all these little clues all along. He doesn't for even both notice any. He doesn't even notice any of the other girls. <laughs> I think Christian is a great part of this movie. I think. That scene with him at the party and when I'm walking in the house for the date is just cracks me up. And then when he turns her down on their other date, I love those scenes. So to, to your point, Nick, actually, he uh, put when this, he puts the pillow on her feet. That, exactly. <laughs> this movie won a uh, Glad Award uh, for Christian's portrayal, actually, as a, of a gay character, because of the scene where Brittany Murphy is being held over at the mall, and he comes over, and he's the hero, and he rescues her. And he flexes his masculinity. And yeah, the gay guy is not like portrayed as like the weakling or what. Instead, he's like the hero that like yeah. handles the bullies. And that was super progressive for 1995, of course. And it won a Glad Award for that. That's great stuff. I had no idea. That's good. Yeah, that was good. I like the, the I like the high school party in the valley. Yeah, that was a good scene too because I feel like it was a very realistic high school party. Is it, well, the thing with the that best, was there's Christmas decorations everywhere. Well, that okay, that was that part's weird, but I didn't get stuck on the decorations. <laughs> Nobody acknowledged uh, it. Oh, what I love about that scene that I didn't appreciate the first time I saw it because we hadn't been to our first high school party yet. We were in middle school, but even as a guy in his forties, if you go to a bar or a club, I love the line about "Let's do a lap first. I, for sure, for sure. And I, I think this movie taught us how to realizes. like live, Nick. In some yeah. ways. Our high school parties, yeah. I think, and to that scene, too, I, I think Alicia Silverstone looks amazing in that red dress, too. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. I mean, she's amazing. beautiful. In, in general, the fashion in this movie is incredible. Yeah. Like, it's, it's Especially actually, for the, the time. The, the fashion still holds up 26 years later. That's, that, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was, yeah. like, blown away Except by. Except that hat. But the hat was obnoxious in the movie. Yeah, Amber's, <laughs> okay. Amber's outfits excluded, or and maybe some of Dee's hats. No, and Dion's hat in the well, beginning. Amber's outfits but she are gets called out for it. The cat. And no, the but hat. Amber's outfits are done that way on purpose. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, she's but they're like pretty. The anti-share. Right, they're pretty ridiculous. But yeah, you're right. You're right. No debate right. there. Moving. All right, we're gonna do these quickly. Do we? Ever, did everybody do their scenes? All three yeah. of us did, right? Yeah. All right, we're gonna do these quickly. We're just gonna do them rapid fire because we could do favorite quotes for the rest of the all damn night. Mark, give me a quote. Anything happens to my daughter, I got a forty-five and a shovel. I doubt anybody would miss you. <laughs> He's kind what? of a Baldwin. <laughs> what the hell is that? Address says who? Calvin Klein. <laughs> Lucy, you know I don't speak Mexican. <laughs> Why should I listen to you anyway? You're a virgin who can't drive. You think the death of Sammy Davis left an opening in the Rat Pack? <laughs> I feel like such a heifer. I had two bowls of Special K, three pieces of turkey bacon, a handful of popcorn, five peanut butter M&Ms, and like three pieces of licorice. I could really I could really use some sort of herbal refreshment. Oh, we'll do lunch in ten minutes. We don't have any tea, but we have Coke and stuff. No shit? You guys got Coke here? <laughs> well, yeah. 
this is America. <laughs> Dion and I are both named for famous singers of the past <laughs> who now do infomercials. <laughs> Okay, but street slang is an increasingly valid form of expression. Most of the feminine pronouns do have mocking, but not necessarily in misogynistic undertones. <laughs> you did a Murray. That's did a Murray, Murray. right there. <laughs> I also got, isn't she a Betty? She died of a fluke accident during a routine liposuction. <laughs> <laughs> that you one's good. Me. And when she references her, her pillars and how ancient they are of her house, and it was in like 1970-whatever. She makes it sound like it's the ancient Coliseum. Until mankind is peaceful enough not to have violence on the news, there's no point in taking it out of shows that need it for entertainment value. Exactly. I'm with her there. I'm with and her. And, of course, as if. Yeah, well, I put in that text earlier. How What was the other one? It's the bomb. I feel like this was the first movie where we heard that, too. I feel like this movie invented like the, the dialogue for when we went to high school. Yeah. <laughs> and we still use today. People still say that's dope. Oh, for sure. And, and, people, came and people still say it's the bomb. Well, she <laughs> took... Actually, I know where As If came from then. So Amy Heckerling, it was actually commonly... Um, she, had, uh, uh, she had some gay friends and some gay buddies she'd go to gay bars with. And they would say As If all the time. And she I was thought that like, was super cool. And she's, and she's like, like this just... would be this would be so cool if like it was in my movie, and so she put it in there. And just in general, one of the cool things about this movie is how uh, Omo we 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 were talking about she's kind of oblivious to her white privilege, but in some ways, this school is this is a weird like almost already woke utopia, because like everybody gets along and there's not like a lot of. Uh, racial back and forth. I mean, they're all rich uh, and privileged. But the re- there's a reason I'm bringing this up is there's a direct reason for that. Amy Hackerlin was envisioning a utopia where the, where the black kids hung out with the white kids uh, and everybody hung out. The gay kids hang out. And it was no big deal if somebody was gay. They just like, they're gay. And she wanted like, she wanted this school to be like a better version of the world that we wish we lived in. And I thought that was super cool. I mean, I will go back to Amy. What didn't work? Bell! 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 I didn't like the romance between her and Josh. I thought it came too quickly. It didn't feel right, especially by 95 standards of your brother, of, of falling in love with your brother. We'll get into this. Some studios had a problem with that. I had a problem with it, too. It just it felt weird at the time. I remember watching it and being like, wait, is that technically, legally allowed and watching now it doesn't matter but back then it was strange so was it it weird weird for you on the rewatch no but it was every time i watched it up until probably 10 years ago the first 16 years yeah so so does it work work now though (laughs) yeah yeah it does in 2021 it works in 95 no okay when i first when i first saw it i kind of like thought it came out of nowhere on the rewatch, I notice how much they hint at it. Like the little looks they give back and forth to each other. Oh, yeah. They do build it up. It do- they I had do. A hard time. I had a hard time finding what didn't work. I put. I actually wrote down, it feels a little rushed with Josh. Because it kind of goes from them doing glances. Then when they realize they like each other. Like, they almost realize it too quickly, it felt. But I also don't want this movie to be longer. I think it's the perfect length. So, I... 
really only wrote it down because I couldn't come with, up with anything else. This is a pretty perfect movie. What do you, I what? hate the I hate the wedding and the bouquet scene at the end. Teachers aren't inviting their students to their wedding. That was very strange. <laughs> you know, even if they teacher. set them up. Wait, wait, wait! They, they set them up though. A makeover? Yeah. Uh, but oh, that makeover scene is great too, Jeff. The makeover scene is so good. Okay, so the makeover scene I can kind of buy, but then let's keep in mind these are all high school relationships, and they're all at the, like the dudes are at the table talking about how you know they're all about to be married too. So just that whole scene just kind of feels forced and awkward for me. That's Josh all. is like. I'm about to be married to my sister. This is going to get weird. Like, I feel like we could have gotten just a narrative from Cher at the end telling us that the two teachers got married and shows a picture of them getting married. I don't know if I needed that whole bouquet scene. That's all I'm saying. I don't know if I needed the $200 bet. I mean, it's a nitpick. It's not like I hate it. It's not like the movie's ruined. No, it's fair. Well, we had to... It's called What Didn't Work. We have to come up with something. Uh, one other thing. I hate how far everyone lives like the scene when they're leaving the valley party i hate how they get into this debate of oh no i hate getting off the freeway you come with me all this back and forth and then we see elton clearly off the freeway and parking at a convenience store because he thinks he's going to make out with Cher. so that whole that all of that's a little messy for me but okay. these are only things i think i so noticed I, because I had this we're in, rewatching i had this in my ponderings mark and you bring it because actually i want to ask both of you because you grew up in la and nico now nico thinks now he's oh yeah <laughs> so uh, they so i had in my when the dad says yeah i was you i know you can get you're anywhere say. you want in la in 20 minutes that confused the hell out what of me too what fucking world is he living in <laughs> I'm not from LA, so I want to get validation from you. No, guys. this is this was this early '90s LA. I couldn't I couldn't make sense of that. That that line. So part of me wonders if that's a play on the satire element of the movie because unless he's got a helicopter that he's referencing and Cher has access to it, which based on their you know their lifestyle, maybe they do. But yeah, you can't get anywhere in 20 minutes in LA. Well, the, not the even the early '90s. No way, man. Traffic's been bad there my whole life. We're assuming they live in Beverly Hills. The only thing I wondered was if he, what he's saying is the only places my teenage daughter should be hanging out at 2 a.m. in the morning in L.A. should all be 20 minutes around. But that's not what he says. So I was, about, that, that was very confusing to me. L.A. in late 20s, L.A. confidential L.A. You get anywhere in 20 minutes in that L.A., right? I would think. Yeah, I would think then. I mean, I feel like Swingers was released like the next year after this movie, and I feel like in Swingers it takes them 45 minutes to get from one party to the next. Exactly. It's true. Swingers was before this, too. uh, Oh, good point. You're right. 93? 94. This is 95. That was 94. Okay. You're right. Anything else not work? That's all I had. I mean, this is a good movie. It's I mean, yeah, it's, it's fun to nitpick, but let's be real. It's well None executed. of this ruins any of it. Yeah, this none movie, of it. This movie is per, is almost perfectly made. Like, it. I had a. This was might be one of. I'm not going to say this is my favorite movie because I mean, like, it's just. I mean, I have other genres and different things, right? Right. But this is this, your genre, this, Jeff. Let's not kid ourselves. This is true. This is as perf. This is as well made. Of movie, when I'm looking at it from a critical eye as I have seen when we've been doing this pods. There was very little I found wrong with this movie. And it, it was such a rare thing for Emmy Hickling. I'm looking at her filmography right now. It was pretty much Whoa. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Look Who's Talking and Clueless. So Fast All Times in this movie are like both apart. almost perfect. And to your point, Nick, I kept, I was wondering why we, I mean, why we didn't get more out of her. 
it almost made me kind of sad because this movie is so well done. Like this is way better than than Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Though, though I am a fan of that movie. That's fair. Well, and I mean, it, your point is ten years later. It should be, I guess. They're both great. You know why they're both great? Because they both have heart. <laughs> Any movie with heart, heart they, it, it just ta- it makes that it just elevates the movie, and that's what makes them memorable, and that's why they both work. So, and that's why she works. She, so we're in we're in career corners. Are we talking yeah. about Amy or who are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, I'll jump in. I mean, that's where she she made her. She, I mean, that's where she hit it off was with Fast Times, and then she did European Vacation, which was the sequel to the original, obviously. But then she wrote and directed the whole Look Who's Talking franchise, which was big. I remember that being a big deal when we were kids. And They're fun then, movies to watch. Yeah, it was, it was John Travolta. Yeah, exactly. No, and then she did... After Clueless, she didn't really do anything. She wrote and directed that movie with Jason Biggs called Loser, which was terrible. That was like his follow-up to American Pie. And her follow-up to this. Like, she yeah, she actually... it's not good. She got everything. I do know a little bit about this. She got everything she wanted for that movie. Like, like she had to run a lot by the producers for Clueless still or whatever, and there was, like, pushback or whatever. And it's one of those classic, then the direct... That movie, the director gets everything they want. You sometimes realize why they're... Why, why the studio does have notes. Yeah. And Loser might be that reason. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. I, but, I mean, I see that she's done... Like, for the last 15 years, she's basically just done random directed episodes of a bunch of shows. Nothing nothing too noteworthy. She hasn't done a movie since 2012. Yeah, so maybe that's her own choice. Who knows? But she has a great quote here that I found that uh, she told Flavor Wire that working with Chevy Chase was not a marriage made in heaven. In fact, uh, she apparently disliked Chase so much she was ready to bolt from the set at any moment while making European Vacation. Wow. Interesting. But yeah, and then and you know we talked so much about Alicia Silverstone. I just it, real quick, Nick brought up she kind of peaked at Clueless because she did Batgirl in the worst Batman movie. After, True Crime was that I, movie I was talking about. I looked it up by the way. Uh, so it was True that. Crime, The Crush, and uh, Clueless was my Alicia. And then she played and, Batgirl in Batman and Robin, and then she was in that movie Blast from the Past with Chris Walken and Brendan Fraser, which is pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, and that and after that. She's kind of been gone, but for those that have missed her in the limelight, you can find her on Netflix because she was in the Babysitter's Club reboot that came out last year, which I have no clue if it's any good or not. But she's also in the Masters of the Universe reboot, which comes out, I think, this month. Wait, what? So for for any He-Man fans out there... There's a Masters of the Universe reboot? Oh, yeah, it's coming out. I didn't know. Mark, you just made my freaking week. But I want to get back to Silverstone. Even though she disappeared pretty much post-2000, I still feel that she went out on top. I mean, she was phenomenal. She was iconic. She was iconic. I actually was disappointed. I actually asked my girl tonight, who's actually 10 years younger, if she knew who Alicia Silverstone was. And uh, it broke my heart when she said, I have no idea who that is. No. no. You've got to show I her know. this movie. This movie. I know. Well, she's actually heard of Clueless, and she agreed that Clueless is relevant still. It gets mentioned. And I thought that was cool. But the fact that she didn't know Alicia Silverstone, I mean, this is a rock star run. Maybe not filmography-wise, but superstar-wise, if that makes any sense. Everybody knew who she was. Yes, absolutely. I totally get it. Yeah, it's not like she's ever, she's never going to go down in history as the greatest actress ever. But it, it is iconic. We talked about, we talked about Cameron Diaz with Sam with something about Mary. You guys, uh-huh. this is the same same concept. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to do these movies too. It's somebody's peak. It's so fun to do this. You know, I clueless change. I mean, I've always liked this movie, but um, I mean, I was talking to Mark before the pod. 
doing as you we've been doing these pods, you start to look at movies with a little bit more of a critical eye than maybe you did before because you're you're kind of focused on that, right? And uh, some of the movies I don't want to mention which ones because I love them all. If we're doing them on the pod, but some of the movies we've done haven't held up as much critically for me, and I'm like, okay, I, and which is why in a lot of them I can find a lot that didn't work in different things, right? Uh, this movie was actually the opposite experience where I'm like, there's a lot going on here. It's this is such a well-made movie, uh, and the performances are great. Uh, we haven't even got into the soundtrack. The damn soundtrack of this movie is like it's one of the it's one of the best movie soundtracks I can think of in in a decade, the '90s of great movie soundtracks. So remember the ska band, the Mighty Mighty Boston's. So they're yeah. the band that that we see in the movie. That's them playing at the at the party. And oh, that's awesome. Wait, at the house party or the party that Christian takes share to? Uh, I'm not sure. In my notes it says a house party, but I think it's the one Christian takes her to because there's not. I don't think there's a live band at the house party. But regardless, so the one that Christian takes him to, by the way, is that a house party? I was so confused. No, I think it's a concert because he's com- well, he's complaining about the fact that they're charging for beers. Yeah, I thought it was a school dance too, but that and doesn't like, really make why sense. Why are they charging, charging for, for beers at a house? Like I, it didn't look like a house. It looks like a damn warehouse. Yeah, yeah it looked like like a warehouse concert. Yeah. But but so, they had chaperones. Um, Paul Rudd chaperoned it, so I, I don't get what, what went on there in L.A. in the time. So the Boston's were cast in the movie, who were a famous band since the early 80s. But the reason they were in the movie is because they had recently found out they had poor management who had failed to pay taxes for them for years. And they needed money. And the studio, Paramount, was going to pay them really, really well. So otherwise they would have never done like a Hollywood movie, but they needed the money to clear some tax debt. Old Uncle Sam was coming for some money. Uh, Metal Podium. Wanted the cat. Everybody in this movie is so good. I'm I'm actually sad that I can't give like medals out to like almost the whole cast. Uh, it's I I do honorable mention, but I mean who do I give? I mean they're all Brittany Murphy's great. Uh, like the dad is incredible. I just down the line and. Well done. So my bronze goes to Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is the great kind of every guy, kind of nerdy older brother. Uh, he, His performance is spot on. Uh, to answer your question from earlier, I looked it up. This is his first movie. And I feel like, I mean, they really discovered a star. Paul Rudd's good in everything he does. Uh, I can't think of a movie that I don't like his performance. I also, you make a great point, Mark. The man is an ageless wonder. I don't know how he still looks the same as he did in this movie. But. He looks the same as Ant-Man as, Ant-Man as he does in this movie. <laughs> I know. He's, he's a master. Uh, Good genes, so, those reds. This one was super tough. I almost wanted to make it a split decision and a tie, but I knew I'd never hear the end of it from Nick about being a fence walker. So, <laughs> barely, barely Alicia Silverstone gets the silver. She is fantastic in this movie. She's a tour de force. The reason, I mean, when I think of this, of her, I think of this movie. Uh, it's awesome, but I had to give my goal to Amy Heckerling. This is, this is an A plus made written. The writing and the directing of this movie is just perfect. Like the fact that I, literally, the only thing me and Nick could say didn't work in this movie was something that we just that bothered us a little bit. How twenty years ago, and we're not now we even say works just says it all. She she created an entire genre, the classic 
the classic literature high school teen movie. Uh, that, I, I, I thought Kevin Williamson was your credit for that. So that's what I, that's what I was thinking all day today. It was like he was. This was pre Kevin Williamson. So I'm was, I mean, even that. Well, even what even what she beat Kevin Williamson to. Kevin Williamson was always famous for like the high minded dialogue, like in Dawson's Creek, like them using the uh, twenty five, uh, the twenty the the uh, twenty five dollar uh, SAT words and all of their. And this, the teens in this movie talk with incredible with incredible vocabularies. So, like, well, hold on a second. Are we really? We can't really give this movie credit for as like the OG teen comedy. No, I'm saying. I know. I'm saying as the smart. No, what I'm saying is it reinvented the teen comedy, and it was the. I'm giving her credit for inventing the classic literature as a teen as movie. A teen. Jeff's so had like a long-standing like, theory that, that after John Hughes, teen movies disappeared, and then the 90s got reignited, right? He thinks it's Kevin Williamson, but now it's Amy Herkeling, but it could be a little bit of both, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Nick, who you got? Who you got? So, I'm going to go with Christian with bronze, because I do feel that was a special role. The guy never did anything else, and as a credit to my buddy Mark Evans, like the fact 20 years later, people could look at him and be like, you look like the gay guy from Clueless. I think that that... He was a very special, underrated part of this movie, and I, just for fun, I kind of want to give him a medal. I think he's, I think he's medal worthy. And in I, classic nobody knows you Christian fashion, we're not even going to mention your actual name, Christian. So Nick didn't even bother to look it up, so I'm, I'm not going to. I'm actually glad he got the bra. Like he's great. He's great in this movie. To my point, there are so many people I could have given medals in this movie. That just speaks to how great this movie really is. I think he outdid Dion. I think he outdid Brittany Murphy. I think he outdid Paul Rudd. I do. And you know where the other rest of the medals are going. I'm going to go Amy Heckling with Silver. I agree with everything Jeff said, but I just think Alicia Silverstone was iconic in the 90s, and you can't beat that. Like, nobody looks at this movie and says, oh, yeah, Amy Heckling. Everybody looks at this movie and says Alicia Silverstone. And that legacy still I'm really glad you flipped it because I was such a split decision for me. I'm glad that, like, we – sounds like we agree that it was almost – and it's just a – it's a split hair decision one way or the other. So I don't think either one of us is wrong. Who's more relevant now? Who's more relevant right now, uh, Nick? I think I know your vote based on what you just said, but uh, Molly Ringwald or Alicia, or Alicia Silverstone? Alicia Silverstone. Mark. Mark. Uh, Molly Ringwald. Ooh. Ooh. Split decision. Split decision. I. I, I don't know. I feel Molly's like done more movies. Yeah, exactly. Um, Alicia Silverstone is a one. But I, I'd say Clueless is bigger than probably any of these. I don't know. Man. Now, today. Today. Sixteen Candles and Breakfast Club are pretty darn big. We should, pull, we should pull the young people because, truthfully, we're old dudes. Pretty we pretty don't know. We should. We, on our web. Medals for me? No, you want to hear my medals? Yeah, so go. You, you... Go, Mark. <laughs> uh, something that I don't think we gave enough due justice to yet, but I feel like this is a really girl power movie. And so I felt like my medals were all going to be female-driven. And I even gave an honorable mention to one Brittany Murphy, rest in peace, Miss Brittany. But uh, she does great with her work in Thai. It's her best role that she ever had. And bronze medal I gave to Stacy Dash, Cher's best friend, Dion. I love the friendship between Cher and Dion. It works for me. My silver medal went to Amy Heckerling. She wrote a hell of a movie, and she deserves this medal for sure. And I have no problem with Jeff giving her the gold, but I am also like Nick. My gold medal goes to Cher. It goes to Alicia Silverstone. This is her movie. It will forever be her movie. I will, um, I, you know, they just go hand in hand. Just kind of like, like we previously mentioned with uh, Cameron Diaz and something about Mary. But A good note on what you just said about this being the ultimate female empowerment movie. I'm glad you mentioned that because when Amy was shopping the script, 
multiple multiple studios passed on it um, because they wanted what they they actually wanted her to rewrite it and make the lead a male because they said it that would make it more commercial and I don't think this movie works with the male as a like bad call and uh, because cool the three dudes can be non-biased and say that we live in Amy's. We live in. We would have made it. We would have. We would have made it okay in Amy's utopian uh, high school. Speaking of utopia, it's getting late, boys. You got some midnight ponderings for us, Jeff? I, I I do. I got a real good one for you. Oh, what? So, what's going on with Paul Rudd's eyeliner? He's wearing eyeliner. Oh Jesus. my God! Rewatch the movie. Like, must, I saw this movie three times this week, and at no point. <laughs> Did Paul Rudd's eyeliner ever come into my what, mind? What can but I hey, say? I, I that's why, I'm, but it I'm kept observing. you up. That's he has, why, you know, he has dreamy eyes, Mark. He we've has dreamy got dreamy eyes. We've got different things that keep us up. I get I, it. Man. <laughs> why would a lawyer let his unlicensed daughter have a car and drive it around? I was wondering because he can defend her in court <laughs> if he needs to. <laughs> How do we feel about Josh going out with his 16-year-old stepsister? <laughs> he's in college though. He's not like tw- in his twenties. He's like so. Is he nineteen? He's a young is undergrad. That, are we going nineteen? Like he, he's first year freshman in college. Maybe twenty. No, he's not in law school, school, right? Because law school makes yeah. it even worse. If you're in college, I feel like you're capped at seniors in high school. She's not a senior, and she's not a senior. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! What a, wait, does it does it do the, do the rules change if you relate if you're related to him by marriage? <laughs> But it, but they're divorced now, at least. <laughs> this is true. And it was only for three years. <laughs> Speaking of years, so how long are they together? Are they still together? I don't know. And I put in my ponderings, is Mel, Mel shares dad, by the way. Is he even okay with this? I, I'm assuming he is because he goes, does he, does he attend the teacher wedding with everybody else? I don't think so. The teachers don't know Mel. So I don't think he got an invite. Or Man, they got a lot of money to invite all these people. That's all I got for ponder. Well, well, that that that's all I got for ponderings. My Unless only other pondering is is uh, is Cher better at arguing than her father? Ooh, yeah, I think she is. That's a great question. I think she's he's so abr- it's funny, but like I wouldn't want to deal with that on a daily basis, you know. By the way, we didn't mention it. I just I feel like we have to shout it. How good is the uh, highway scene? Yeah, if it's great, I, like. If I don't know if any of you remember the first time getting on a like um, driving with a permit with your I, yeah. I, I, your parents getting on the highway, it's yeah. fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, Yo, you're getting on the freeway. <laughs> yeah. Things we miss, Nico. You guys covered a lot of it. My favorite is the LSA Silverstone casting. I thought that was the coolest part of my category this week. But you also covered her giving the clothes away. But I think what the biggest thing I have left from what you didn't hit was that. Fox passed on the movie because of the romance with the brother. And what a mistake that was. I have that Rudd's character wears a KU hat, which was a tribute to his alma mater. Alma mater. I don't know if you remember when the Royals were in the World Series back in the mid-2010s. He was, all, he was like the only celebrity showing up to every game. So that's because he's from Kansas. So, yeah. He auditioned for the role, speaking of Paul Rudd, he auditioned for the role of Murray, Christian, and Elton. But he assumed that Murray was a white teenager trying to act like a rapper. <laughs> and he was super excited. He, he actually didn't want the role that he got, but thank God he did, because he's perfect at it. 
Yeah. In the rock. I'm just going down the notes. You guys hit every single one of my seven notes here. So. Speaking yeah. of Paul Rudd, did you guys see he was mugged? What? Recently? He was mugged? No, while they were making this movie. He had his backpack stolen, which had the script in it. Oh, no, I did not see that. That's good. What else you got? And back in, if we were in this day and age, that would have been all over the internet. Mm-hmm. 95, harder to do that. Yeah. Oh, I have Sheriff's Houses in the Valley, not in, not in Beverly Hills. I thought that was hilarious. That final is thoughts. funny. Nico, give no, us you, your final you guys thoughts. Go first. You guys go first. Oh, well, I'm going to go last, but Jeff, go ahead. Pretty, pretty flawless movie. Uh, just well played. It, uh, it was it was fun researching. Uh, like I said before, it's interesting when seeing it. Some movies you love just because it's something about that you're like interested in or different things or whatever. Um, but then when you take the critical eye, you're sometimes a little disappointed that it's not as perfect as you thought it was. This one was the opposite. This movie was more perfect than I thought it was, and that's how I feel about it. No, Jeff, way, way to put it. I think I, I, I hope they find a way to bring team movies back. I know we're way past the age of appreciating them, but this movie is so fun that I hope they find a way to do it again for this decade or for the, the next decade. It's, it's one that never goes tiring on me. What do you say? Uh, sorry, I, oh, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. I, I'm, uh, I do that too often. It's interesting you say that. Their Peacock just turned down a clueless, uh, min, a clueless miniseries revival. Right. Uh, I mean, they, I don't want them to recycle stuff. I just want them to invent new stuff. And I, agree. I agree. Lightning in a bottle, like this was. Like I th- you didn't say lightning in a bottle on this one, but it was definitely the case. I hope they can find it again sometime in this decade, just for the new young and up and comers. So. I love it. Uh, Clueless was a great trip down memory lane, like we so often do on this. But, it, and like Jeff said, it definitely does hold up better than anticipated. It, it, not that I thought it was going to be bad at all. It's just when you when taking a real critical approach to things, you, you really try to be, you know, critical, <laughs> for lack of a better word. But, and this movie held, held up. Uh, and... I really enjoyed the rewatch multiple times. I think I told you guys I, would, I did three viewings this week because it was just on in the background and I didn't mind watching it at all. So Mark and Summers is so fun. That's right. That's right. It's one of the more, it's a very rewatchable movie. It's one of those movies that you can just dive in at any point And yeah. Absolutely. Well played, Mark. But everybody go watch Clueless again. And thanks for listening to us. We'll see you again soon. On behalf of Jeff, Nick, and myself, uh, this is another edition of Movie Tales. Take care, everybody.